Hey there. Thanks for tuning in to Ermia Matters, a podcast about higher education, risk management, and insurance. Let's get to it. Well, hello, everyone. This is Gary Langsdale from Ermia here with another Ermia Matters podcast. My guests today are Nancy Laux from Yale and Andre Leduc from the University of Oregon. And we're here to talk about enterprise risk management and specifically the Ermia Higher Education ERM Roundtable, which is a subcommunity within Ermia for those who have ERM specific responsibilities or uh, aspire to run their ERM programs. And the reason that we're doing this podcast is that Ermia has noticed within the last 12 months a significant increase in the interest in ERM. For example, we had an ERM 101 session at the annual conference in Seattle last fall and had over 300 people attend both in person and online, which was a good indication that ERM is an important factor uh, right now for our members. So let me start with Nancy. Um, Would you give us a little introduction? Sure, Gary. Thank you. I'm the Director of Enterprise Risk Management at Yale and have been in that position for the last seven years. My prior experience included more than 30 years in the financial services industry, split about half in business development and relationship management and half in the risk management arena, primarily commercial banking, capital markets, and fiduciary credit risk, and enterprise risk. Thanks, Nancy. Uh, Andre, how about you? Thanks, Gary. Uh, My name is Andre LaDuke. I'm the Chief Resilience Officer at the University of Oregon and also serve as our Associate Vice President for Safety and Risk Services. Um, As far as kind of a little bit of my background, um, we have been running an enterprise risk management program for about nine years now, but that's one of the components that's kind of in our portfolio. And so the portfolio that I oversee um, both includes all of kind of the normal safety and risk things, so police, environmental health and safety, risk management, insurance, emergency management. And then as the chief uh, resilience officer, I oversee the president's uh, strategic enterprise risk management committee that we've been running for about about nine years. And I come from a, a research background. So yeah, I know we'll talk a little bit more of, I don't think I've taken the normal traditional path um, to get uh, to where I am as far as kind of utilizing ERM, but we'll talk a little bit more about that. Okay. Well, why don't you go ahead? Because that is certainly coming from a researcher's perspective. That's a non-traditional path um, to risk management. Why don't you talk about how you got here? Sure. So again, you know, uh, I've been at the University of Oregon for about 22 years, have um, founded a number of um, different uh, research groups that looked at organizational resilience and disaster management at cities, counties, business level. And I always say that one day I, I made a question or asked a question of what were we doing on campus back in about 2002, 2003, and realized that we really weren't doing much around emergency management or risk management to the fact that we did not have programs. Um, so in 2007, um, to make a long story short, we started down kind of what I'd call um, a journey um, and an evolution where we started the first ever emergency management program. 2009, we started our first ever centralized risk management function. And since then, we've kind of continued to grow and evolve 
that, but again, that backbone is as a researcher looking at what makes an organization or an entity or a community resilient, we've really taken those concepts and said, okay, well, how do we apply that now to a higher ed environment? And it's, I think, critical to, you know, kind of talk about that evolution because it's one thing to quickly jump and say, well, how'd your ERM program start? And that would, I would be remiss if I didn't say that, well, actually, we got to go back a little bit further to say that, you know, how did risk management and kind of a centralized concept of risk management in a very decentralized higher environment start. And it truly has been that evolution and, um, and quite frankly, where we're at now with kind of employing both the concepts of organizational resilience, which there's methodologies around how you do that, and then enterprise risk management. We're really trying to weave those two um, elements together to address a pretty unique culture that is higher ed. And again, what we're doing at the U of O is um, unique to the U of O, but the fundamentals, I think, are things that can be transferred to any campus. But the bottom line is you've got to build systems and programs that address your institution and meet your institution, whether it be the academic, the research, the administration, where they're at and bring them along for the journey. And that's where we say we are today, that we're not done, um, but we continue to evolve. So, Andre, I've, I've always heard it said in higher ed that if you've seen one university, you've seen one university, and it's very much the same with ERM programs. If you've seen one school's ERM program, you've seen one. I'm just going to ask you a follow-up question. Based on your experience in doing the research in the public arena, how would you contrast higher ed in general in their emergency programs um, with what you see in higher ed and what has become the U of O's program? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, Gary, because I think one of the things that has really benefited me um, coming both from the academic, but specifically the applied research side of the academy is um, I had the great fortune for 11 years of running the research institutions of working with, you know, numbers of counties, cities, businesses. And so you you can start to see where people are struggling with these concepts outside of higher ed. So I think it's easy sometimes to say, well, higher ed's unique and we're different. And I always say, well, people are people. Um, and kind of the, the culture is really a key component in the sense of um, understanding, uh, you know, how to change things. So from the research perspective, I think some, there are some very basic sentiments of, you know, programs that are basically, I say, baked in, meaning that you're over time, you're just ingraining this into the operational fabric of the institution, whether that's the emergency management side of the house, the uh, operational risk or enterprise risk management are going to be more successful because you're you're taking a systems approach to something as opposed to bolting something on where you just make a program and you say, okay, over here, you're responsible for ERM, but it's not really, you know, something that's over time going to be folded into the fabric of decision-making, financial commitments, where again, those things take time. So I think what the research afforded me was that I knew what I was up against. Um, I knew that this was not going to be an overnight um, element and that we had to take incremental steps. And then the other key is that people generally like to be involved in things that 
uh, accomplish things, that build things, that move things. And so our approach that, again, there's lots of great documents out there on how to start ERM programs, how to work on that, is understanding that you need to build things with your constituents. And that's definitely something from the research side, whether we were approaching a project working with a city or a county or state or business entities, that we always approached it where we were part with them. We were partners with them and we were moving um, the dial forward together or not. Um, and so that I think is one of the key things that we can all learn from this is that if you really don't, don't start big, start small, make those little successes. And one of the things I've been very proud of with our ERM program is the product that we're not just tracking the risks. We're actually changing the way that the institution uh, writes policy, um, changing operational procedures, but there's a process and that process is engaging uh, people from across the campus. Um, so again, I think those are the things from a research perspective. It's just the way I think of, I need to bring the stakeholders together. We need to have kind of what our hypothesis or mission set or appreciative question is. And then we work together to accomplish that. Um, and, and knowing that you're going to have successes sometimes and you're going to have failures. And sometimes your failures provide you the best learning of how to then retool things and come back at it. Nancy, I want to go back to you because... You know, certainly the finance industry was one of the first industries to embrace ERM, but I didn't hear you say you were involved in ERM when you were in banking and finance. How did, how did you make the leap from that to higher ed and ERM at the same time? Uh, so my work with enterprise risk management does actually date back to my banking days. In the mid-1990s, the financial regulators began the practice of supervision by risk, and responsive to that, my institution developed an enterprise risk management framework that evolved over the ensuing years at responsive to changes in the financial regulation. And that was a period of time when I was involved in the risk management functions. Well, um, Nancy, let me ask you about Ermia's Higher Ed ERM Roundtable. It's been around for a number of years, and you have been one of the co-leaders um, of that group uh, from its beginning. Uh, can you talk about the roundtable, how it got started and how it has evolved? So it began in response to a need to develop a group of practitioners in enterprise risk management. Many of us are single incumbents, and it, it was building a community of people trying to uh, progress, uh, establish advanced programs in higher ed institutions. Um, we currently have membership from the institutional members of Ermia who either lead maturing or matured programs to those who are just starting out. And our bi-monthly meetings alternate between foundational and more advanced topics. The listserv, I find, is a valuable resource that allows members to reach out to other practitioners for peer practice and guidance. Well, that's, that's very helpful and very true. Thank you for that. Andre, uh, can you talk about some examples of uh, recent roundtables, the bi-monthly sessions? What have we covered and what's coming up? Yeah, so we just um, finished a, a session um, last month uh, that looked at kind of this maturity question and kind of building off of what Nancy was saying that, again, I think it, it takes a village. So taking all the practitioners and kind of looking that I think that discussion, I think we often are 
you know, kind of wanting to benchmark. And so that session was really kind of to look at a snapshot of, you know, programs that were just starting, programs that kind of consider themselves in the middle, and programs that are kind of feeling like they're they're moving in kind of that advanced stage. I think it's always a, an evolution. Um, and then building off of that, uh, we have um, some survey work that we're going to be doing. So again, the idea of this being a value, a roundtable and discussion is to really ask the practitioners what they're we're, they're looking at. And so we are um, going to be surveying um, the members in, in April of kind of what's on their plate and what, what are they going to be focused on in the coming years. So that can help us set up the future roundtable so that, again, the time that we spend together um, is fruitful and benefiting everybody that's involved. That's great. Thank you very much. Each of you uh, focus on ERM alone. And Andre, I know you supervise um, more operational risk management uh, within your institution. But I'd, I'd like to ask each of you that there are a number of our members who have expressed frustration that they don't have the budget to have a a person who is dedicated to just ERM. And I wonder what advice would you have for those institutional risk managers who have to cover the waterfront, but want to have ERM as a part of um, that program because of the value of enterprise risk management. How do you, how do, you do that when, when it's not your sole responsibility? Well, I'm happy to, to jump in, Gary. It, it is a really good question. And one of the things that I had mentioned, our ERM program, so we're, we're one where we started down this journey with no staff. Um, you know, uh, and, and actually a number of presidents ago where one of the presidents um, who had come from a system where they had employed an ERM program said, we need to have this here. And so called upon me to say, can we build it? And so we started with a team. And so that's the, the part I think that's key is get, get, getting those stakeholders. But then the idea of like, so right now where we're at with, with our ERM program, I have a project manager that is kind of the, the sole person that runs the ERM program, but that's backed by then we have a cabinet level team that meets monthly. And the key is we didn't get there. So in the first five, six years, we had no staff. But what we did was we focused on things that similar to what we're doing with our roundtables with our practitioners, we focused in on the things that the institution said were critical and important. And we made interdisciplinary teams uh, to advance those efforts. So kind of a proof of concept. So again, going back to that research side of, well, don't give me the money until I can show you that it can actually have a great return on investment. We were able to pull off a few projects that, again, were very operational in scope, but we were able to show them how it was kind of starting to lean us towards a true ERM process. Through that, then, our campus runs um, what we call a strategic initiatives process for new money and new investment, which again, often you think about this is going to be faculty, this is going to be programs. We succeeded um, in securing the funding for the one position out of that. But what I really think allowed us to succeed in that was we had product. And we were saying that with this investment, and then the other part is we said, hold us accountable. So with that investment, we more than tripled the number of projects we do per year that are focused on this core concept. Um, so again, the idea of start slow, start with something where you have, um, you know, capacity internally because you want to be able to succeed. So sometimes you have to scale it back a bit, um, but then build upon those successes to make a better argument. And that's the part where, again, 
going back to that, I lived off of grants um, for the better part of my career of making a cohesive, coherent, and simple argument or of the return on investment. But you're not going to get there, meaning if you have nothing today, I just strongly advise, well, you got to start with something to kind of the proof of concept. Um, and even if that's an initial investment of saying, well, I need some startup money to do this, um, but then throw that dedication there. And uh, that's where I think it's so important that we're having these discussions about maturity of a program because we started from scratch and I feel like we're a, a growing program. But it takes time, tenacity, um, and again, that integration. If it's not integrated, it's going to be really hard to convince leadership that this is where they should be putting limited resources. Thanks, Andre. Nancy, anything to add to that? Um, I think that I'm largely in agreement with Andre's um, view. I, whether ERM's your sole responsibility or part of a portfolio, it is a journey it needs to be continuously evolved. It needs to deliver value back to the institution consistent with the institution's culture. Um, and I agree that it might be preferable to pilot a program on a smaller scale so it can be done in a finite period of time. The results can be given back for which action can be taken uh, than to uh, design a massive project that takes years before it's actually reached to its conclusion. One thing I'd add to, you know, appreciate Nancy uh, agreeing, because again, I think that the key here is you have some institutions that will put the investment forward to bring somebody in. One thing I wanted to, you know, make sure that I was really clear about is our first investment outside of the committee that is the president's committee. So again, having leadership buy-in is critical on any of these things. But was a project manager. So again, kind of what Nancy was saying, like if we if you start small, the skill set that you need to kind of really get this off the ground, in my mind, is if you've got a solid risk management team, you've got leadership buy-in, it's bringing in a project manager to start. You don't always have to bring in um, kind of a high-level uh, risk manager to to do this if you've got a good handle on kind of what's going on in the risk portfolio. Because again, the key here is get things done to produce stuff, to move forward. Reason I say that is if you're a smaller institution, you may already have a project manager that's assigned. Some schools basically have them where they can move them around. So this idea of starting with a pilot project, you might be able to say, hey, can we have some resources to put some funding towards a project manager to support the ERM program? What that does for the institution is it's very clear that leadership's going to need to make the commitment. They're going to need to be at the table. But what you're bringing in is somebody that can kind of, you know, make sure that things are moving forward. So in my sense, I've been looking back a bit. Um, that has helped us a lot that that project manager is like, I'm not the one who's going to make the decision of if this is an acceptable risk or the risk tolerance. I'm here to move the process forward. That way you're constantly making it very clear to senior leadership they need to make some decisions, but you have somebody in there that's helping bring the material, the data, the background um, to the table so that it's a little easier to make those decisions. That's that's very helpful. Uh, in addition to you two being the co-leaders of the ERM roundtable group within Ermia, you are also two aspirational role models for our ERM folks. And You've both been talking about projects. I'd be interested in hearing about just one project that each of you are working uh, on in, at your institution. And I'll start with Nancy. 
Uh, Gary, I'm not going to be able to answer your question because I'm working on a portfolio of projects um, ranging from many of them COVID-related, including recommendations for the policy group, advisory work, exception approval work, progressing a research freezer monitoring project, initiating a departmental risk assessment, and completing in conjunction with my colleagues in audit and compliance the annual annual university risk update. So um, would it be that I'm only working on one thing? <laughs> well, that's a great answer, Nancy. Thank you. Andre, what about you? Very similar to Nancy, that uh, it is a suite of, of things. Um, so I won't repeat because, again, similar things of looking at COVID, what, what do we need to adjust um, in our systems and kind of uh, be, be set um, coming out of this for lessons learned and also kind of the, the foundational elements of updating our risk management. The one that um, I'm excited about that actually goes beyond our institution and ties to the roundtables, we are about to launch, um, I think people are familiar, or if not, the Disaster Resilient Universities um, program back in 2016 did the first ever national needs assessment of emergency management um, in partnership with Ermia and a number of other professional associations. I'm happy to announce that we are actually launching the 2022 um, compendium to that. So we are going to take the survey questions and see what happened between 2016. And we all know a lot of things have happened um, since 2016. Um, So that's a project that we're kicking off this spring that, again, I'm hopeful that will not only benefit, you know, my institution, but benefit a lot of institutions to kind of give us that um, the waypoints of kind of where where are where are we in contrast to other campuses. And the reason I think that's so important is one of the conclusions of the 2016 survey was we knew campuses were not in a solid place for continuity plans or recovery plans coming out of the pandemic. We want to revisit that to see where are we now? Have we learned? Or again, are there areas that we can improve? Okay. Well, thank you very, very much, both of you. This has been very informational and we appreciate your willingness to speak with us. We also appreciate your willingness to lead the higher ed ERM roundtable um, that our members find to be so valuable. Um, if you are listening to this podcast and are interested in joining the ERM Roundtable Group. Uh, Go to Ermia's website and um, you can um, click there and you will find a link to a simple SurveyMonkey survey. Um, Asks you a few questions and uh, we will admit you or send an email to uh, ermia at ermia.org and we'll direct you to it. So this has been Gary Langsdale. Thank you to Nancy Laux and Andre LaDuke. Um, and that's another Ermia Matters podcast. You've been listening to Ermia Matters. You can find more information about Ermia at www.urmia.org. For more information about this episode, check out the show notes available to Ermia members in the Ermia Network Library.